You're listening to the official Ankeny Community School District podcast, We Are Ankeny, where we're sparking conversations about all things Ankeny schools. Hey, Ankeny community, thanks for joining me today. I'm Dr. Eric Pruitt, superintendent of Ankeny Schools, and let's talk about the Ankeny experience. With me today is Dr. Jen Lindemann, uh, Chief Officer of Academic Services, and Carol Eddy, Director of Curriculum and Innovation. Welcome, ladies. Thank you, Dr. Pruitt. So Dr. Lindemann has worked for Ankeny School since August 1997. She has she was um, an AHS associate principal from 1997 to 2007 and served as executive director of secondary education from 2007 to 2012. She was the she was then appointed Ankeny Centennial High School principal in 2012, leading the opening of the building. During the pandemic, Dr. Lindemann rejoined our team at the district office to serve as the chief officer of academic services, bringing her passion for teachers and students to, to her work, overseeing all things academics. Carol Eddy has been with the district for 10 years, previously serving as the associate principal at Parkview Middle School and later as the principal for our summit program. Under her leadership, our curriculum review process has gone through great improvements bringing consistency and process to the way of our curriculum uh, in the way our curriculum has been updated. So let's go ahead and jump in uh, today, ladies. Uh, to get started, Dr. Lindemann, can you give an overview of what we call the Ankeny experience? And so essentially, you know, what can our students more importantly expect when they enter our system and um, when they uh, come to us in pre-K or in kindergarten? So you can talk about the curriculum, um, the type of evidence that we collect, um, the process that our teachers take our students through, and then just reporting around uh, student progress. Yeah, so um, in the Ankeny Community School District, we have a set of standards for every grade level um, in which a student progresses. And those standards, of course, align to different content areas, reading, mathematics, science, social studies. As students um, engage in learning those standards, it's the teacher who really puts together the unit of instruction, the, the instructional lesson plans around those standards. Very important in that process is a teacher's understanding of where students are in their learning um, progress. So a teacher will use assessments, and again, in education, um, assessments have broadened over the years. I think many of us who grew up in, a, in, a, uh, in the 80s, for example, might think of the word assessment as a test. Um, certainly a test is a type of assessment, but assessments are even broader than that. A teacher may walk around and observe students engaging in a task. They may listen to a, a student read and listen for their fluency, for example. But the teacher will assess where a student is in relationship to that standard and then design instruction that helps that student move forward toward that standard if they're not quite there or beyond that standard if they've already been at the standard. And so key in the reporting of student progress is the evidence that that teacher is collecting while students are learning. So teachers collect that evidence through observation, through actual um, paper pencil, through uh, the use of technology in a variety of ways. And then they really synthesize that evidence, um, looking at, at of course, at the learning over time. So early in a student's learning of a standard, if they're not quite there yet, we would accept, expect to see students trying and maybe not quite getting there or even failing in a way that standard. 
but a teacher is going to continue to think about how can I help this student move forward in their learning toward that standard? What other strategy might I try? What other method might I use to help that student get to the standard? And then once that student is at that standard, what might be next for that student to explore beyond that standard? How can I help that child continue to develop skills toward um, that lifelong learning um, pathway that that student is on? Thank you. And so we, we hear the word standards. And so where do these standards come from? Are they standards that we create? Uh, the, you know, the, um, does the state create them? You know, where do we get our standards from? So most of our standards um, really come from the Iowa Corps. You know, they're determined by our legislator. Um, they give us a number of standards that we um, are expected to uh, teach within our classroom. Um, one of the things that we do here in our curriculum process is we look at all of those standards and we do a prioritization, right? Most of the the um, Iowa Corps is very extensive. There's quite a few standards. Um, and so if we were to give every standard the exact same attention, um, we might not be able to get through an entire school year. Um, so it's up to our teachers really to identify um, you know, what, what's best for our community to prioritize. We still teach all of those standards, but some of them may get more time or more consideration based on that prioritization process. Um, even um, courses that are outside of the Iowa Corps, so when we think about um, some of the electives that we offer at the high school. Um, what we typically search for are national standards um, or standards for those courses that, that go above and beyond the Iowa Corps. Um, so we're typically not making up standards. We're typically finding um, a research base or another group um, that has already identified standards that are expected for a course um, and then adopting those um, and or prioritizing those. Thank you, Carol. And so Ankeny, uh, our district has a, a long history of having high expectations uh, for our students, having very rigorous uh, curriculum uh, for our students. And so when we think about standards, how have we ensured that we, we've maintained that level of excellence for our students and those expectations for around how we teach our students, both those that may be struggling with their learning, but then also those that are uh, perhaps gifted. Mm -hmm. So uh, maintaining that level of rigor, I think, is really important to all of our teachers. And so when they're looking at those standards, um, they do a, a couple different things. One, is they're going to analyze data around them. Um, what standards um, have students been successful with? What standards maybe have students struggled with? Um, and really making sure that we have a good idea of what our current state is. Um, but they then spend a lot of time talking about what future state really looks like for students. So that may be engaging in an industry panel. We just did that with our CTE programming. Um, it may be reaching out to um, local colleges or our region universities and finding out what do those institutions need from us in that particular curricular area so that when we prioritize, we can identify how to make sure that we maintain that high level of rigor for students, regardless of what their path is after graduation. We don't want them to be, um, uh, you know, not prepared for those areas. And so our teachers analyze all all of that information when deciding what to prioritize. Um, as for assisting students, sort of regardless if they are struggling with a concept or if they are, um, you know, accelerated in their learning, um, same idea here. Our, our teachers identify what core is, um, but then they identify resources or they identify strategies that they can use to help students um, that are struggling with that um, that area and what, what other supports can we put in place for them. Um, but then similarly for our students that are really um, understanding that standard, how can we take 
that standard to the next level? What's the next um, level of cognitive complexity for students? Um, and making sure that our teachers are able to differentiate between those two things. Um, and, and part of that is knowing their standard really well and being able to collect those pieces of evidence that Dr. Lindemann mentioned, um, because then by gathering that evidence, we can prepare them um, with, uh, with new learning that will help them get to where, where they ultimately want to go. So is this safe to say, uh, Dr. Lynn, you had something yeah, to say? Yeah, I was just going to add um, something that might be of interest for folks who are outside of education. Sometimes when we think of learning, we think of learning really um, through three broad categories. There's declarative knowledge, so someone might know information. There's also procedural knowledge, like I might know how to do something, the steps to do it. And then there's conditional knowledge. I know how and when in just the right places to um, utilize that skill. And so when we work with students, we really want to move students to um, the highest level of learning they possibly can. Not knowledge level learning, yes, important to know knowledge, but in addition to knowing knowledge, knowing how to execute, and, and even more so, knowing uh, the nuanced, those conditions in which they want to share that knowledge or use that skill, whatever it may be. Thank you. And so would you say that um, our the, the, the district strategy historically has been to look at the data that's been available to us and identify how we grow all of our kids, regardless of where they are, with regards to proficiency uh, within our district? Agreed. We would want to make sure that we have um, something that all of our students can access, and that may mean by providing some additional supports to students to be able to do that. Um, but then for students that are already able to access that information, where can we take them to the next level? And so that, I think that that's uh, in education sometimes we, and, and this isn't unique to Ankeny, sometimes in large districts like ours, we uh, sometimes focus on one particular type of learner in our district, whether they be the, the, the students in the middle, our highest performing students, or our lowest performing students, but um, our approach with regards to how we are identifying tasks that we're creating for our students in the classroom, and the assessments that we are choosing to administer uh, are identifying how we can, again, grow all of our students, no matter what performance level uh, they're currently at. Yes. Absolutely, and, and that, that, I think that's, that's very key for us um, around how we move forward. But what, what I'm actually really excited about, I think we have some really good programs um, and uh, strategies that we've been trying to um, um, implement in our district. Um, our board recently approved a, a gifted and talented position for our district. And so you know, with regards to how we continue to support some of our highest performers in our district, you know, what, we, what, should our, uh, what should our community be expecting from that gifted and talented position uh, moving forward? So that position, um, one of the very first charges of, of that employee will be to engage in a full-fledged program review of our current uh, services that we, we engage in um, through our Gift and Talented program that will include everything from identification processes to individual student services at, at uh, elementary level all the way through our secondary schools. Um, I think another additional benefit will be 
certainly we know that students who have been identified as gifted and talented um, need uh, targeted instruction to support their continued growth and development. That, that gifted and talented specialist, as well as our team of gifted and talented teachers, can also serve as great resources to our general education teachers for those situations where they have a student who may not be identified as gifted and talented, but certainly have shown evidence of needing extension, needing, you know, uh, to enrich their learning beyond the standard. So um, that will be a component of, of the, the process as well. And so is this program review done in isolation or who's involved in this program review? That's a great question. Um, some of you may know we've engaged in several program reviews over the course of the last couple of years. Our, our um, dropout prevention program review, our English language learner program review, even special education program review a year or so ago. And in all of those cases, we bring a team of people to, to, together to engage in that program review. We have um, teachers who are practitioners in the classroom, both gifted and talented in this case, as well as gen ed teachers. We have school principals from across the district, again, all grade levels represented, both teachers and administrators. We've asked parents to serve on those program reviews um, to give us outside objective perspectives on their child's experience and how that might strengthen our program, as well as some folks from our district office team and academic services. I think yeah. the other important thing to know is that although there will be a, a separate um, uh, program review, um, this specialist will also partner in curriculum. So um, although we'll review the, 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 the program itself, um, that person being part of our curriculum review process will also then inform um, the kinds of supports that we would be giving um, sort of our, our exceptional learners or, or the learners that um, are already meeting that standard and what can we do um, in our core area as well to better support um, students um, that need that, that extra um, extra emphasis um, in exceeding the standard. Thank you. And so um, Dr. Lindman gave an example um, of who we could expect to be part of the program review. However, we've actually completed a few program reviews this year that we brought before the board. And so, Carol, can you talk um, about um, what you've learned um, through uh, the uh, computer science curriculum review or our math curriculum review? Um, what, what have you learned and how will that be applied going into our, our next uh, school year? Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the important thing I think to know is that um, just like every other program review, um, we sort of engaged in a review of just the curriculum process here in the last couple of years as well. So we've been implementing this new process uh, and really computer science and, and math are the first two that are going to go through the, the new process in its entirety. Um, and so we've learned a lot already. Um, we, we have instituted sort of that new current state where we're really diving into data and using that, that data hub that, that shows us not only what student achievement data looks like, but what our enrollment data really looks like. Um, and it lets us also look at how, standard, um, how students are doing not only um, sort of utilizing grades, but really diving deep into how they're doing with their standards. And that really helps us better understand what we need to do in a curricular area. Um, and with the, new, um, with the new focus around future state, I think that's really helped us um, target where we need to go and what changes we need to make, rather than maybe um, just looking at our current courses and make, maybe making some tweaks here and there. We 
we've really been able to identify what does industry really need from this curricular area? Um, what do our region institutions or our private institutions need from this curricular area? And then being able to remake sort of um, some ideas. So computer science is a, is a perfect example, although we haven't come to the board with our secondary level. Um, the courses that will be offered are going to be significantly different than the courses that we currently offer because that programming programming languages change and what, and what students need. And that's one of the reasons why we came to the board for a K through five computer science adoption was um, this is now an area of growth and not only um, sort of for collegiate institutions, but in industry as well. And we need to have students who have a really great understanding, not only of programming, because that's just one piece of computer science, but all of the other pieces of computer science. And, and we can't just start them out in ninth grade anymore or even 10th grade anymore. We need to be able to start them out in kindergarten. Um, and that will affect um, really our learning as we go, um, because right now we're starting with students who don't have any understanding of computer science, but as soon as we start teaching them in kindergarten, um, that curriculum will have to change by second grade because now those students already know that information. So we, we've learned a little bit about how to be more flexible and adaptable in our curriculum cycle. So although it says we're going to review something every seven years, we now have a process where we really look at it almost every year and just see are there any major things we need to change or tweak um, so that we can better respond to industry but also to student needs um, and interests. Thank you, Carol. And so we've been throwing this word word around for the past few minutes, curriculum. And so if you could define for our audience out there, for our parents new to the district, you know, when we say curriculum, what do we actually mean? Uh, for me, curriculum is a lot broader than I think what most people think. When, when I hear from other people about curriculum, what they typically mean is a resource. Um, and what I mean when I say curriculum or what we mean when we say curriculum, it's really all-encompassing from the standards that we want students to engage in, um, the evidence in which we collect and how we understand if a student is meeting um, the standard or if they're still progressing or beginning. Um, it does encom encompass those resources, but both the anchor resource and all of the supplemental resources that we might need in order to get students access to that curriculum. Um, and it also encompasses how we report on that. that That's our curriculum. That's, that's what we work on to make sure that we can go from start to finish with a student um, and know that they've really achieved all of those standards. Um, so I guess if there's if there's one thing I could um, share with, with everyone else is that when, when people say curriculum, sometimes they only mean resource, but here in Ankeny, we really mean um, those standards accompanied by the resource and the teaching or the pedagogy that goes along with learning that subject area. No, I, I really appreciate that answer. So I what, what I heard was uh, standards, evidence, resources, in addition to supplemental resources uh, that we bring to the table. And so really the curriculum review is uh, basically our foundation from which we gr uh, grow um, our, our curriculum. And so, uh, and, and this is just a plug for you know the many teachers that we have in our district. Um, they're, they're vital to our success. And so those supplemental resources, um, you know, we don't have robots teaching our kids. Mm -hmm. And so the resources that they that our teachers and our school leaders receive through the curriculum review, we really rely on them um, to be able to identify uh, additional resources or supplemental resources um, that we can add to um, our bag of tools as we uh, attempt to work with our children. Um, would that be an accurate assessment? Yes, I would um, also include that, you know, we have phenomenal professional teachers here um, and their ability to um, know where a student is in their progression of learning, um, to be able to look at that evidence and analyze it for are the students 
organizations meeting that standard or not, and then being able to utilize the resources that they have to then target instruction is vital. There is, there's no way a robot could, go, could come in and be able to assess a student and then be able to um, sort of target that instruction. Um, it really takes that art of teaching for a lot of our students, and we're so lucky here in Ankeny to have such professional teachers um, with us helping guide our students. Absolutely. Um, I, I can't be uh, more happy with the, the teachers that we have and, and the school leaders that we have in, in our district. And so uh, I've had the opportunity, Dr. Lindemann, to meet a lot of new parents um, in our district, the, the, the parents that are registering their, their children for kindergarten for the 22-23 school year. And so you know, what are some of the key things that you would want um, a, a parent that's new to Ankeny to know about the Ankeny experience? I would say um, it would be important to know that first and foremost that every child in Ankeny um, is going to be in a classroom led by a teacher who cares deeply about that child and wants to spend time getting to know that child's that child is a learner what, what's going to work with that child um, uh, how can the teacher best engage that student in learning what are, what are their um, interests and what are what are their strengths and and where are the areas that they want to grow and that that really is supported through a partnership with families and so um, our teachers greatly desire that partnership with with the parents of their students the guardians of their students so that they can together help that child achieve the goals that the child and the family have um, for their future I would also say that, a large component of our work in our schools, and then this is growing more into our secondary schools, is around a program called Leader and Me, where we're really working to develop the the leadership skills in our students, the 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 self management, the self discipline, the um, really if if you're familiar with um, Stephen Covey's work around the seven habits, and now there's eight of them, um, really bringing those to life in students and giving them experiences in the classroom where they get to practice that, where where they may have an idea, and their teacher says, okay, how can we make that idea a reality? And then the student begins to think about and problem solve oh, if I really wanted to do that, what would I need to make happen? And who would I need to invite to the table to help me? And, and really giving those students authentic experiences to learn and develop those skills they're going to need um, that may not be specifically math or specifically literacy, but really develop them into the type of future employee or citizen that, that our business and industry wants in in their um, in their workplaces so that experience is broad in that way in Ankeny um, but uh, I would also say it's it's found built on a foundation of learning and and every child learning and growing every single day yeah I I, I couldn't agree more and so when, when we think about when we think about the, the experience. Ankeny provides many opportunities for our kids to engage in a, a wide variety of, of activities. And one of the things that we've been talking about on the academic side has been how do we ensure that every child has a, a concrete post-secondary plan? Uh, not, not a plan that a student is locked into from, from a particular uh, period in time, 
However, how is it that our district might be able uh, to ensure that we're at least having conversations with our students, perhaps beginning in middle school, that allow us to help guide their their path towards graduation? And so uh, my question is, you know, how, how effective do you believe our academic programming is preparing students for post-secondary success? I think that our academic program um, over recent years has done um, a well enough job of preparing students for a four-year college experience. Um, we've certainly had um, very high achieving students who've who've gone off to a four-year university um, and done well. I think that our system has great opportunity to grow in the way um, of preparing students for a wider variety of post-secondary experiences, um, maybe going directly into a workplace or going in through an apprenticeship or going into the military, whatever it may be. I think that, that we have an opportunity to widen our lens so to speak, in, in sharing multiple pathways that students might consider as they plan for their future and giving them explore, exploration opportunities in those areas as well so that they're making a decision based on um, experiences or exposure as opposed to things they might um, think they've believed through uh, what they've seen on television or other places, but really giving kids authentic places to explore what might be available to them in their future. So as we, at the beginning of our conversation, we, we started talking about standards and everything that we're doing in our district is based off of the Iowa core and assessing the standards that are in front of us and ensuring that we're teaching uh, the standards that all of our kids need to prepare them for post-secondary success. And so when we think about um, how we report out how students are progressing around those standards, what does that look like in our system uh, from elementary, middle, and high school? So right now, um, we report out by standard in grades K through 7. And so every student's um, infinite campus report area and the report cards that that get sent home include a list of the standards that a student would be engaged in learning at that particular grade level or within that particular co course and where their learning is in relation to that standard. Um, there's still work to be done in, in clarifying those standards and clarifying um, what, what progress looks like, but we do report out by standard in grades K through 7. In grades 8 through 12, at the current time, we don't report out by standards. That is a goal we have uh, in the future. And the primary reason behind that is that, one, it gives a, a clearer um, base of communication to both the student and the parent as to where the student is in their learning. Um, it, it clarifies where are the student's areas of growth, where are the areas current um, areas of strength, and areas that need improvement, especially as you start to think about what that child's pathway may be ahead. It helps that parent and that child engage in a conversation about, okay, in that pathway, here are some standards that looks like you're really strong. That might align nicely for what your, your goals might be. Um, I think the other thing to think about is 
we will continue to give letter grades in, in grades in courses that are high school credit courses. I, I would say grades 9 through 12, but sometimes students will take those high school credit courses prior to ninth grade. But any course that would be considered a high school course will, will receive a grade. That letter grade is important. It's put on the student's transcript and it's reported to uh, post-secondary institutions as needed. Um, the reason we would like to add standards is that it just provides more communication, more information to students and families than the single letter grade. Uh, as some of you might remember from your own years of, of being in school, uh, a letter grade can mean a lot of different things. A, a student who earn, earns a C, the reason for that C is really unknown. Um, you have to dig much deeper into what's, what's contributing to that letter grade of C. And so by reporting out by standards, we can clarify where are the areas that the student is really excelling, um, develop, developing a solid skill set, and where are areas that they may need to improve. So I, I'm, I'm going to ask you to repeat what you just said, because I think that's really important for our, our, our parents and new families that are coming into our district uh, to know. And so um, as, as a teacher or as a parent, when I see um, the, a letter grade, what does that mean to the teacher? And then versus if I'm reporting out by standard, what does that mean to the teacher? And then what could it potentially potentially mean? for our parents if they're just seeing the letter grade versus seeing it reported, reported out by standard? Yeah, I think that um, w when a teacher would see a letter grade, the letter C, it's going to be the amalgamation of a lot of skills, a lot of information into one data point. And so knowing um, specifically what is it my child needs to work on or knowing specifically where are the areas that you think my child really has some strengths, it's unclear in a single letter grade C. Whereas if we can break that up into different standards like their, a child's ability to analyze a piece of text or to be able to write an argument um, or whatever it might be. Um, when a parent can see more specifically how is my child doing towards that standard, it just gives that parent more information about where their child is in learning. The other thing that it might be helpful to think about is I think about myself uh, as an employee. I think about m many other peers and colleagues that I know both in education and outside of education. When we're engaged in work, we are often held to standards of work. So our organization might say to us, here are the things that I, you need to be held to as an employee. Here are the key areas of work for you and what I, what I need to see from you as an employee to meet those standards. Um, and then as employees, we get feedback on our, our work, our skill set as aligned to those standards. And when you think about that from a classroom um, perspective. So here are the standards of the course. Here's the evidence of the student's learning around that standard. Um, the, te the teacher provides that student feedback and practice uh, around those particular um, standards. It's much more similar to what a, a student is going to experience, no matter what pathway they choose ahead. I, I don't know of honestly, any organizations um, beyond high schools and colleges where your total performance is summed up by a letter. Typically, there's far more detail around that performance, far more information given to you about the areas of performance where you're excelling and areas of performance where, gosh, you might need to do a little more work here. And so for um, our, our, our families that have you know, um, high-performing students that 
let's say that the school year starts and they master a, a particular set of standards at the beginning of the school year, what is a teacher's response? And you know, what should parents be looking for from that classroom teacher in that school? Right. When, when the teacher has evidence that that child has mastered a standard or standards, the teacher then is going to look for ways to extend and enrich that child's learning beyond that standard. They might look at um, different experiences that they would provide that child, different, different contexts in which to apply that skill, to, to rehearse it to a greater depth or to share it with someone else. They also might look at the, the standard that would be coming ahead, coming next in that progression and think about what might I do to engage the student in moving toward that standard. Uh, the teacher has a lot of opportunities to um, grow that student and, and that's really the work of a teacher. The work of a teacher is to know a student where they are and take them to the next uh, next standard of learning, to grow them in those skills and, and, and those knowledge bases that we need them to grow. And Kara? And that actually comes out in the curriculum review process as well, because part of our review is, yes, under, understanding what it means to meet the standard, but we spend time talking about what does it mean to be advancing in the standard, and where can we take students once they've met this, so that we have a good idea of what it what it means to, to understand that standard at a higher level of cognitive complexity. Um, and so teachers um, spend time identifying those things so that we can respond when a student does demonstrate that they're meeting the standard, we've got a place to to go rather than trying to do that on the fly because that would it's difficult when you've got a lot of students who might be meeting the standard somewhere. Absolutely. And for our parents, if, as always, if they ever have any questions about what their child is learning or if they believe that their child needs to be pushed a little bit more, they should definitely talk to their classroom teacher um, and uh, the, an AP or the principal of that school, correct? Absolutely. And so I want to thank you both, uh, Jen and Carol, for joining us uh, to talk about the Ankeny experience. And thank you to our listeners for joining us for this episode of We Are Ankeny. We Are Ankeny. Thank you for listening to the We Are Ankeny podcast, the official podcast of Ankeny Community Schools.